Good morning, ladies. It's good to see you guys. It's good to be here. <clears throat> Throughout this study, I was looking at Barnabas, and he's with his people, and he's in the congregation, and he's with his church, and I just, I just felt such an appreciation just for you guys, for being the congregation, the people that I gather with, the like-mindedness, the love and support and encouragement I get from you all. And I just wanted to say, I love being here. I'm happy to see you. So let's just take this particular moment to the Lord. And Jesus, I just thank you that you've given us to one another. Lord, I... Um, in such a time as this, in the days that we're living in, we could be so easily fractured and broken apart, but Lord, I just ask that you would knit our hearts together that in one commonality we have with you. Lord, Lord just let that be enough, that, that we would love each other well, that we would honor you. Lord, just ask that your word would be made real, well, that, I, that you would let me stay true to what your word says. Lord, I just, um, I just ask that you prepare our hearts to speak to us today what it is that you have for us. And Lord, let us be good encouragers to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, fun fact about me. I can feel it happening already. When I get up here, sometimes I forget to breathe. And I talk and talk and talk. And I used to have to make lines on my paper to say, take a breath here because a period isn't enough. So, so if I start panting, I'm okay. <laughs> I just need to breathe. So, all right, last week, this is so loud, is this loud to you? Like, um, last week, we began this whole topic of discipleship and you guys were told repeatedly probably that this is not a program, that we're not trying to teach you guys all to be good mentors and disciplers or say, shame on you, you need to be discipled. And it's like not about that, but really we just wanna bring out this idea that the Christian life should be discipleship and that it should, excuse me, come naturally to us as Jesus followers. So, um, I think it's been fun to look at Barnabas. I was very excited to teach him, especially as I started looking um, at his life. I thought, what a great guy. He's such a good example to us of what, what lifestyle discipleship or mentoring should be. And I, excuse me, I feel like I've learned a lot about, well, I just said that. <laughs> um, even though we have a lot of limited, inf I mean, actually I was surprised how much information there was about him. Um, but it's still limited, you know, it's just small sh snapshots of his life. Um, but even the small bits that we see, um, we see that he impacted other people's ministries and in that his influence literally changed the world. And I don't think that I <laughs> will have that kind of reputation. I don't, I don't think that someday somebody's gonna say, oh, Sam, yeah, she changed the world. I don't think that. But, but Barnabas, we could say that about Barnabas because that's like true. But I don't think he walked around knowing that either. I think he just lived his life to please the Lord and the end result is the world was changed. He just 
spread the love of Jesus wherever he went. He was passionate about the Lord. So, we begin, we're going to enter into Barnabas' life um, when he was with the congregation of believers. So bear with me, we're gonna, I'm going to flip through Acts a bunch. So, Acts 4, 32 through 37 says, And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. <clears throat> and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses, they would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. <clears throat> and they would lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each as any had need. Okay. <sighs> now Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, he sold it and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So at this point of history, we're seeing that the apostles are going around, they're preaching and teaching about Jesus and his resurrection and many are coming to faith. Now the religious leaders of the time, like they have this, they have a reputation, they <laughs> are not super happy about this. Like they thought they killed the head guy off, but it didn't work. <laughs> so. Um, now they have all the little minions coming around doing the same thing. So they're not super happy. Um, and they're telling the Christians, who are not called Christians yet, but they're telling these Jesus followers to stop preaching about Jesus. And we're beginning to see the beginning of the persecution of Christians at this time. So as a result, the believers are cleaving together, right? They're gathering together, they're getting comfort, they're meeting each other's needs. So many are losing their family, they're losing their property, they're losing everything because of Jesus. So the believers are meeting each other's needs. Now Joseph the Cyprian was one of the congregation. We see um, part of his character in this little bit of story because he was willing to lay down what was his, it belonged to him for the good of other people. Now, if you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they also sold land and, and brought it to the disciples' feet. And the disciples, because of the Holy Spirit, revealed it to them, asked, is this all of it? And they're like, oh yeah, that's all of it. It's all of it. And then they both died, like just, just dropped dead right there. Um, but their sin was not because they didn't bring it all, but because they lied. Their hearts were wicked, and they, it was full of deceit. But we see this Joseph, who, who was, had a pure heart that way. It's like he held nothing back. It was just there. He was very, very willing to just give what he had. And in that, we see that he was generous. <clears throat> so, and that is, sorry, that is the first bit of exhortation that we can draw from that story, is that, um, that he was generous of spirit. I found it interesting that it said that he was known by the apostles 
as Barnabas. They, nick they nicknamed him. He was so well known by them <laughs> that they gave him another name. Now, Doug has given me a nickname. Actually, my mom did a long time ago, but I haven't gone by this name in a long time. But Doug has nicknamed me Sammy, and, and he's, real, he's real proud of that. He's like, just last week he said, nobody else calls you that, just me. <laughs> so, so but, but it comes out of so much affection, right? You don't, you don't nickname somebody unless you love them. But the apostles have loved Barnabas. Well, Joseph, but they call him Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. So he clearly has a very good, well-known reputation among the apostles. <clears throat> American culture, we don't necessarily pay attention to the meanings of people's names, and we don't name our children necessarily according to their attributes or what we want them to be, <laughs> what they want, we want them to be known by. Um, but in this culture, it was very important to name people you know, according to whatever was happening in the parents' life at the time, I guess. But, but Barnabas, nicknamed son of encouragement, he's a man of encouragement, a man of exhortation. And exhortation isn't just encouragement, but it's a strong encouragement. <clears throat> it, but it made me think, I wonder, like I know Samantha means listener. And I've been told I'm a good listener, but I'm gonna be honest, it's just because I can't hear very well, so I'm like real intense. <laughs> so, so I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a good character or if it's just because like I'm like really Barbara, I have to hear everything you're saying. So <laughs> um, but Barnabas was the encourager. But I wondered, like, what would other people say about me? Not like in a, like, I wonder what other people say about me. Not like that, but I wonder if somebody was writing about me, if they could nickname me, what would they say? I, I know what I hope they would say, but I don't know what they would really say. And then I thought, since I'm talking to you, what would people say about you? If you had a nickname, what would it be? What would it mean? And do you reflect God's goodness to others? What about to your family? What would your family nickname you? That might be, that might be a whole other set of, <laughs> another set of names there. You know, there's such a push in our world, right, to make, to, we require people to love and accept us even at our worst, right? Like, we don't have to put anything on. It's just me, you have to accept me for who I am. But I don't think as believers we can give in to that kind of thinking because it just feeds our flesh. We need to be known by our godliness, not by our flesh. What is your character? What does your character speak about you? What is your name? <clears throat> now, Barnabas' relationship was really close with the apostles. Um, and this relationship ends up benefiting Paul or Saul. I'm probably going to interchange that a lot, but, <clears throat> but this, benefit, this relationship benefits Paul. After Paul's conversion, he was preaching in the streets of Jerusalem. I am sorry. <sighs> so he's converted. Paul is causing all kinds of havoc in Jerusalem. <laughs> 
the uh, scripture says he was confounding the Jews and the religious leaders are um, not happy because he's preaching Jesus, which is confusing because he was just killing the Jesus followers a second ago and now he's saying, yay Jesus. So they're like not having it and they wanna kill him. And then on top of that, the apostles don't wanna meet with Paul because they're scared of him because Paul also has a reputation. So Acts 9, 26 and 27 said, when he, Paul, came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe he was a disciple. But Barnabas, but Barnabas, took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen, the, how he, Paul, had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked and that Jesus had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. So basically, Paul has been a Christian for three years or so. He's got a reputation. He's traveled around Damascus or spent time in Damascus preaching the word. So it only seems natural that he wants to go to Jerusalem and he wants to meet with the apostles. Like, really, I would like to go and meet the apostles too. So I understand why he wants to do that. But as much as Barnabas had a reputation of being an encourager or an exhorter, Paul had also a reputation of being a Jesus people killer. So the apostles are not, they're not excited. But Barnabas stepped in the way. And because the apostles trusted Barnabas, he was trustworthy to them, he was able to intercede for Paul. He explained Paul's conversion and ministry in Damascus and how Paul was as much a disciple of Jesus as anyone else. And he was willing to be a friend of Paul before Paul was Paul, right? (laughs) Before he was the apostle Paul. He was willing to just be his friend and take him at face value to be a help to him. Paul was in the early days of his ministry and he didn't even really have a specific calling on his life yet. It wasn't specific yet. God had told him what he was gonna do, but it wasn't specific. It It seems weird to me to think of Paul as a young Christian. Like it kind of blew my mind a little bit when I thought about that, I was like, wait. Wait, once upon a time, Paul was an immature believer. Like, that's like, 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 and he needed, he needed somebody to step in and say, this is how we walk with Jesus. It's different than how we walk in Judaism. So, but Barnabas was willing to step in there and meet him right where he was at. Not in who he was gonna be, not on who he wished he had been, but right where Paul was at. He was, Paul was full of passion, but I'm not sure he was, had a super focused direction yet. I think he was, well no, he was going around causing trouble, making people mad. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not super sure that like, he had maybe a good filter. I don't know, I'm just conjecturing. But Barnabas was willing to be his friend. 
Now, Paul stayed in Jerusalem until he made people so mad with his message of salvation that the believers there were real concerned. So they snuck him out over the gates, over the walls in Jerusalem in a basket. Yeah, Paul. I'm thinking filtering might have been a problem. I just do. I, <laughs> he had to escape Jerusalem. But again, also persecution, so I don't know. But anyway, he went to Tarsus, and he worked there for a long time until an old friend turned up looking for him later. Acts 11, 19 through 26 says, okay. So, those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen, they made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. Okay, so the believers are being persecuted. They're scattering. They went to certain places, and they only talked to Jews about Jesus. But some of them, but there were some of them, uh, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks too, so to the Gentiles too, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number, (laughs) I'm sorry, like, I don't breathe out, I'm just realizing, I just take another deep breath in, I can't breathe, (laughs) I'm sorry. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. So like, so the church leaders are saying, stuff's going down in Antioch. Barnabas, go check it out. And when he arrived, he witnessed the grace of God, and he, he rejoiced, and he began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For Barnabas was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord, and he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, because that's where all the action is, right? And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, Antioch is like the center of philosophy, but it was also a place of great um, immorality as well. So, but now it's becoming a place of such great revival that the believers in Jerusalem are saying, Barnabas, go, go check it out, look and see what's happening. And he was trusted, right? So again, I'm gonna talk about his reputation. He was trustworthy, the, the apostles thought he was trustworthy, and what he thought his opinion was of value, to, was value by the church leaders. And while he was in Antioch, he was able to encourage the brand new believers to remain devoted to the gospel. Don't deviate from the gospel. And he firmly held to this idea of discipleship to help or encourage the believers to stay the course. It's in Antioch that the believers were first called Christians, and the the term in Latin is something like Jesus people, which made me giggle and think about the 70s, the Jesus movement people. Anyway, but I like the word that he was being described as he was resolute in heart, and resolute means marked by a firm determination or bold and steady. He's purposeful, intent, he's single-minded, That's Barnabas. He's like, only one thing matters to me. 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. And his, him crucified and resurrected, and in Jesus is our salvation. That was Barnabas. He's like, not going to move from that. It was just that simple. Do you encourage others to remain in Jesus? I do I? I do among the Jesus people. <laughs> I'm weak when it comes to the Gentiles. Not the Gentiles, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> to the not Jesus people. <clears throat> do you have someone in your life who is resolute in heart that encourages you to be recognized always as a Jesus person? Do you encourage somebody else to be a Jesus person in everything they do? That's Barnabas, that's what he did. And because he was that single-minded, that steady, that bold, that intent, he decided, I'm gonna go get Saul, Saul Paul. They had been separated from each other for about 12 years at this point, so I'm like, I don't know why, I'm like, I don't know if I, I know 12 years is a long time. And when Barnabas left, he had to search to find him. MacArthur said that the original word in Latin uh, it suggests that it was a laborious search on Barnabas's part. Like he had to really look hard for, for Paul in Tarsus because there was no social media then. So, <laughs> right? Like, I'm mean, just like, I don't even know how you would go about that in a really large city. At the time, it was a very large city, like of half a million people. Like, I don't know how in that time do you find, that's just the Lord, I guess. So Barnabas went to get Saul to help with the ministry and to show him what was happening with the Gentiles. And Barnabas and Saul left Antioch um, eventually. Like, so he went and found him. They went, stayed with the church for about a year. And then Barnabas and Saul left Antioch to go take financial relief to the believers in Judea. So I just skipped a huge passage of scripture. This is what happened. Barnabas went got Saul. Saul and Barnabas went back to Antioch, stayed there for a year. They were so trusted that um, when the church heard about what was happening, the poverty in Judea, they said, we're taking up an offering. Here, Barnabas and Paul, please take this back to the believers in Judea to help them. <clears throat> so that's what they did. And here, I think it's here we kind of see a, sip, a shift in the relationship between Paul and Barnabas, where we don't like really know conversations that maybe they would have had where Barnabas would have been instructing Paul, but here we see that they're more equals. They're now gonna be co-laborers with the same ministry mind. They minister together instead of one man ministering to another man. So in Acts 12, it talks about that, um, it says, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, so they've gone, now they're coming back. They went back to Antioch <laughs> when they fulfilled their mission, and they brought John, who was also called Mark, with them. So when they went to Jerusalem, uh, Barnabas saw his cousin John Mark and said, hey man, come on. So you can still see this heart of wanting to disciple a mentor when he grabbed his cousin and they went. <clears throat> Barnabas and Paul returned um, to the church in Antioch, bringing 
bringing a cousin along. And after a period of time in Antioch, finally, we see the very, very specific call that God has called Paul to, and Barnabas as well. So, in Acts 3, 13, 1 through 5 says, <clears throat> Now there were Antioch in the church. Um, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon, who, were co- who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they reached um, Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. So they're sent out with a specific call. They are co-laboring, co-ministering the gospel to the Gentiles in new places as they go. This is the first missionary journey, and John Mark has gone with them. And it made me think about what Jesus said. It says, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Paul and Barnabas shared that same passion, that same goal, and their hearts were knit together. They're going to all the nations to make disciples. I wonder how much Barnabas's influence on Paul, because Paul, we see all throughout the scripture how much he loved the churches that he started. He had that that heart of discipling, to bring up, to, to teach, to mentor other people for the, for the sake of Christ. And at this point, they have known each other for a very long time. They've traveled together, they've worked, they've prayed, they've fasted, and they've ministered together for, for quite a long time. And their relationship, they were friends, they were co-laborers, they were not mere acquaintances with each other. They had entered into a very, I think, very deep relationship with each other. So they put together a team who traveled with them on this first missionary journey, and John Mark was one of them. <clears throat> if you read in, um, in Acts 13, 42 and 50, through 52, you would see that their preaching was bold and it was pointed and they had strong words for people saying that we follow Christ and if you're a Jew and you don't want to, they said things like, well, since you don't think salvation is for you, we're just gonna move on. That was, they, they were not mincing words there. They were very certain of their call and they walked confidently into it together. So, but the Jews rejected their message because of what Doug is talking about so much, because of jealousy and pride. The religious leaders, the Jews, did not want to hear about it. So, they turned to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles received the same message with joy, and many, many believed. 
But alas, they were chased out of town by the Jews who were determined to persecute them. So Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet and moved on together. They finished their first missionary journey and they went back to Antioch. I feel like Antioch is now their home base. But John Mark left them at some point. We don't really, oh no, it does say where. I feel like he left them in Cyprus. I'm not positive that's true, but something like that. But he left them in the middle of their journey and went back to Jerusalem early. And we'll see what, what Paul's thoughts are on that later. I'm sure you guys already know that anyway. But So in Acts 15, go back to Antioch. They're hanging out. They're doing their thing. They're doing ministry together. But in Acts 15, Paul says, hey, we got to go back. We should go back and visit all our people and the churches there and see how they are. And Barnabas said, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it. By the way, let's bring my cousin with us. And sadly, because of this turn of events, we are going to see another transition in their relationship. So in Acts 15, verses 36 to 40, it says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along. He had deserted them, oh, in Pamphylia, sorry, and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. I feel like it's so disconcerting to see, to see such godly men with such a long history be so angry. They're so angry with each other that they broke fellowship for a time and they went their separate ways. We don't know why John Mark left them in the middle of the journey, but we do see that Barnabas still has a heart um, that is so willing to mentor and encourage a, young, a younger brother in the Lord that he's willing to overlook that. His passion was to encourage others in the Lord, and it was strong, and he was not willing to let go of one who needed that in his life for one, um, for another relationship. I think, I feel like this is kind of hard to, I can't make it sound pretty. In God's goodness and grace, it just meant that the gospel went further because they each went separate ways. But the two men had a broke fellowship with each other, and that's hard. Relationships are rough. They're not always pretty. We don't know really what happened to Barnabas and Mark on their journey to Cyprus or even where they went after that. But we do know that John Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark, and we know that he was reconciled to Paul later, and he traveled with him. <clears throat> I think... It's probably safe to assume, maybe, that there was reconciliation for Paul and Barnabas. I would like to think that. If we take time to look at the life of Barnabas, which we have this week, he's still a mentor to us, even. 
that we can look and see what his reputation can tell us of being in relationships with each other. His life, what we know of it, the small bit, illustrates what a life of discipleship can look like. Barnabas lived his life to please Jesus. That was his main thing. <laughs> he was a Jesus person. Paul said in Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And I think Barnabas would have said the same. So throughout my study, I highlighted just the different attributes that I found of Barnabas. These are attributes I think that a Jesus person has naturally, or I mean, or working on them. So, <laughs> a Jesus person, Barnabas, was generous and compassionate to those who had less. He was willing to trust other believers and think the best of them. He was friendly and he was unafraid of people and where the Lord was directing him. He didn't show favoritism. He was trustworthy. Barnabas was willing to meet um, Paul and even John Mark where they were at. <clears throat> Barnabas was willing to put his reputation on the line for someone else who had a terrible reputation already. Barnabas was just willing to be a friend. He rejoiced in what the Lord was doing. And, there, and even, even though that rejoicing had nothing to do with him, and there was humility in that, so I'm going to say he's probably pretty humble. He encouraged people to remain true to the Lord. He had a resolute heart. He was, a, he was called a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was full of faith. You know, the people who know you, the people who know me can make a list about me, too. I don't really want to know what's on it. Um, <laughs> but the question is, is there's a list of Barnabas here because he was well-known. Are we well-known to other people? Sadly for me, I don't know that I always am. I was, a long time ago, a long time ago, my mom said to me, well, if there was nobody else in my life besides you girls, I would be okay, I would, there's nobody I would miss. And it broke my heart a little bit that she said that, and because I, I knew it was true, but it was a lonely life, and it's not what God's called us to. But there are some times I'm not willing to walk into the fray of relationships with people. I think, I think. <clears throat> are you the same as me that way? Are you willing to open the door to a relationship that might be messy, that maybe there might be a sharp disagreement someday? Are you willing to meet people where they're at, or are you looking for people who like jive with you, like they mesh with you? I think that too often we are willing to go through life without making really meaningful connections with other people because we like our relationships shallow because they're easier. Or maybe there's people you just don't connect with on a really deep level you know, because we've defined what relationships should look like. <laughs> we think, oh, this is exactly what a friendship should be or it should be this way. 
or if it goes this way, I don't want it. Or this person I jive with better. Like, I, there's really, there is really something to chemistry because there's somebody you can meet, you can like, have instant connection with. But that shouldn't be the only people we have connections with. Barnabas entered into relationships with Paul and Mark with no thought to how it might have benefited him, at least that we can see. <clears throat> and Barnabas, because he emulated the life of Jesus that way, he was used by the Lord to influence two men who helped change the entire world. I'm betting, I bet, if he knew we were talking about him and doing a whole study on his life, he would be shocked. <laughs> I think he just loved Jesus. He just loved the Lord. He was just willing to do what the Lord called him to do no matter what it looked like. So, it all started. This life-changing, these life-changing things started with one man willing to be used of God. He lived his life intentionally to please the Lord. And out of that flowed ministry to probably billions of people. God can use that same willing heart that we have to change and influence the people who are around us in our little circle, which touches other circles, which touches other circles. And we can influence, we can influence others for the Lord, which is amazing. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that, um, actually no, Lord, I just thank you that you are a God who calls us to one thing and that one thing is to please you. That one thing is to love you so much that we would obey you. Lord, you, you use simple people, common people to change the world and, and Lord, you know our world needs changing. Lord, sometimes I'm not willing to even be willing for something that's uncomfortable. I just ask that you would speak to us about even just a willing heart that would go out of our way to do something that is not beneficial to us in any way. Lord, help us to love you well. Lord, give us a, a passion and a resolute heart to walk in the gospel of you. The good news saves people. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're so patient and you're so willing to work with us. Thank you, Jesus, that you meet us where we're at and you don't, um, you don't expect us to be more than what we are. In Jesus' name, amen.